Welcome to Nostalgia, the pop culture podcast where we have deep conversations about superficial things. I'm your host, Nicole Tremaglio, and each week my guests and I deep dive on the parts of pop culture that made them who they are today. If you like the show, please follow, rate, and review on your platform of choice. Watch us on YouTube and Spotify, and subscribe to our super fun newsletter at nostalgia.substack.com. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Nostalgia. I have my friend Adam here with me today, aka Barty Darty. He's an electronic music producer and DJ based out of Detroit. And we have so many things in common, including a life, at least the last 20 years, largely lived on the internet, or at least as an integral part, that and music. So we're going to talk about all things early internet till now. Uh, how our identity has kind of formed and shifted over that, and just the the projects that keep us going and keep us excited about what we do. So, welcome. Thank you very much. Happy happy to be on. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. So, something that we're going to start with because I just find it really important is you were on MySpace, and not just on MySpace as any regular teenager, but as a 12 year old. And so first of all, I have to ask you, were you the younger sibling? Because I feel like the order of you and your siblings, uh, in terms of what you were able to discover or what a, an older or even a younger sibling might have showed you. Yeah, for sure. I'm the youngest sibling. I have one older brother, Derek. He's, uh, he was, I'm trying to think of the age gap, it was about like three, four years. Uh, so he, yeah, he put me on MySpace, that's for sure. Um, as well as a lot of the music that I would listen to on MySpace. Um, so yeah, that was, yeah, definitely a big influence uh, as far as like internet activity and like figuring out about different like platforms, whether it was AIM or MySpace. Um, and, you know, help me get some of those things set up while our parents were, were gone and, um, you know, all that. <laughs> Do you remember any of the songs that you had on your MySpace? Oh, this is a great question. Um, I mean, probably like, I listened to a lot of like Blink-182. Like, <laughs> Me uh, too. Back in the day. So uh, probably like all the small things or, uh, I mean, they had great music videos too. So I would always watch those on like very early days of YouTube or trying to even think of like where else you could watch videos on the internet back then. But uh, I don't think they had video on MySpace, did they? They didn't have video around that time. I remember watching Yahoo had music videos. Yeah, and okay. so it was like an all purple interface. And I remember that was the first time I saw Michael Jackson's Thriller music video. Yeah, yeah. And my mom was like, oh my God, how could you not have seen this? And I'm like, cause I was not alive <laughs> in 1984. That's how I've never yeah. seen it. And so to be able to be the first generation that could use the internet, because you know, if it's 2000, three or four, Michael Jackson's Thriller is not playing on MTV anymore. You yeah. actually had to watch what was live on TV. And so the internet opened up a new door for music in that way. 
um, in like that LimeWire Napster era, right before iTunes, we could discover all these things. And Zanga and MySpace were two major ways that I discovered, but then also downloaded music because I was not allowed, obviously, to have, um, I was not allowed to have LimeWire or Napster programs on the computer. So of course I just downloaded them off the internet, off websites instead. Yep. I mean, I always remember like setting the profile song on MySpace was like the Mecca. And so, you know, I came to like view it as such a like ritual that, uh, and I don't know how long, how long running I was doing it, but I was trying to my best to switch up my profile song once every day. Um, which I feel like is something that is like lacking so much on the, on any of like the social platforms now is like, just like hovering or clicking on someone's name. And the first thing that would happen is it would autoplay like whatever profile song they had. Um, cause you can find a lot of good music that way too. Um, or you just realize how much everyone listens to the same music either way. But, uh, <laughs> that was, that was one of the first things that because they also had MySpace blogs. So I remember writing uh, what had to have been my first blog uh, as like a fifth grader <laughs> and just saying like, hey, like, hey, I set, you know, every day I try and set up a new song on my profile, like be sure to like check out my profile and I'll have like a bunch of new music all the time. Um, Cause I think back in the, I'm trying to think of like when I got like my first like mp3 player that i would have then listened to like those songs that i had found from myspace maybe like third grade maybe third grade i had a cd player and then like fifth Mm -hmm. grade the glory days of myspace was when i got my mp3 player um and then it was you know and then just music all the time from really from that point onward uh and so that's like how directly like correlates now with like my like obsession to like now like make music and uh dj so always like trying to find new music uh specifically like house music like being from uh the detroit area there's like such a rich history with uh house music movement is like the huge uh music festival that happens every memorial weekend here and uh it's my goal to play uh movement next year but my goal is to headline movement four years from now too. I actually think it's three years from now because now New Year, New Year rolling in. So uh, yeah, MySpace is definitely very formative with my obsession with music, though. Yeah, who were influences that you had when you were growing up where you realized, okay, music isn't just like something that everybody listens to. Cause I feel like this too, it's like you have a true obsession with music yeah. and you just like, it, it's it's a really important part of your life. And when you feel like maybe it was an age or maybe it was a particular moment, a concert you went to where you were like, wow, this is, this is really affecting me. Or like, I, I really, this resonates with me. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, like, something interesting that happened with me and, like, my development and interest in music is, like, uh, was a decision I made probably, I think, seventh grade. I was playing, I was playing trumpet, so as being a younger sibling, you usually have, like, a hand-me-down instrument if you want to be a part of band. So my brother played trumpet, 
uh, ended up playing in college and like was a part of like marching band at uh, Central Michigan, which is where I ended up going to school too. Yeah, like figuring out like music was like a possibility or just even like something that I wanted to spend like a good portion of my life like dedicated towards. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is there is a there's a point in the road. I was playing trumpet because my brother had my older brother had a trumpet, and uh, you know he was no longer using it and. It was the time to be, you know, fifth grade. I, so also, also in like the same point in time, which like fifth grade was a very formative moment for- Big you. gear for you. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I was playing trumpet for two years and then seventh grade came around and I just wasn't, playing trumpet's kind of difficult too. Like, I mean, you really gotta, you really gotta blow on that thing to hit the high notes too. And like, I just like struggled. I didn't practice much. like. Uh, maybe it was more like more of a dedication to games like Guitar Hero and uh, Rock Band and like feeling like, you know, I'm playing this game. So maybe it'll transfer over to playing like actual instruments, which turns out guitar, at least guitar doesn't. Whereas some may make the argument that it does for Rock Band drums, because um, you do kind of have to develop some sort of rhythm when you're playing drums on Rock Band. Um, so definitely like rock band and guitar hero and just video games in general, like uh, a lot of the games I grew up playing had a lot of like electronic music and like going back and playing some of these games now, I'm like, like this is like the stuff that I listen to now. And it was like, you know, 20 years ago. I was obsessed with guitar hero. My sister yes. had guitar hero three and we would play all the time and I was freakishly good. And what, what, uh, what level did you play on? Were you expert? Mm, I don't think I got that far, but maybe like at least whatever the medium level was. Okay, yeah, medium. Yeah. Or, it was like easy, yeah. medium, hard. And I would say medium or hard, but yeah. um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Weezer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it yeah. was just so, so great. And a lot of these songs I did know already because I grew up listening to classic rock. And so, sure. um, yeah, that was very cool. And then, okay, yeah, I, I'm like, I have to talk about Guitar Hero. Um, and, oh, and Rock Band, I played once with a group of friends and they were all, I had a lot of friends uh, growing up who were in, I was in, band until I think like 10th grade, I played the clarinet. Nice, and okay. so I had friends who were in band, I had friends who were in marching band, and I had friends who were in bands of their own local That's bands. Great. And I remember playing rock band with a group of friends who were in a band of their own. And so they're like, well, you're the singer, because obviously the guitar yeah. player is going to play guitar, the bassist is going to play bass and the drummer is going to. And I'm like, Fine. And at the time, I love singing. But when I was in fifth grade, I we did a, a fifth grade play. And there were like 800 people at my elementary school alone. And so I had to sing Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo as I was Cinderella's oh, wow. fairy godmother. I had to sing for like 10 seconds in front of 800 people. And I don't know why I was so nervous and like traumatized by this. But I was and so I refused to sing in front of anyone for years until I was in a local theater produ production of Thoroughly Modern Millie and I had to nice. sing it my audition and yeah. and that was even the first time like my mom had heard me sing like no one had ever heard me sing since the fairy godmother incident um 
so when I was playing rock band, I was singing, but like I was singing. Yeah. I'm doing ASMR really quick. I was singing into the mic like this. And so they could, everyone could see the screen and that I was hitting all of the notes and then couldn't hear anything coming out of my mouth. And they're like, how, how are you doing this? If you're not even singing, I'm like, I am singing. I'm singing very quietly. And so that was my rock band experience. But, um, but like, yeah, I do love singing though. And I really, I need a karaoke night soon. Oh, for sure. Karaoke is an essential. I, I'm long overdue for a karaoke night. Uh, I mean, some speaking on rock band really quick, some people would be, you know, so intense that they would do like, uh, you know, you could do drums and sing at the same, get like the microphone stand or even like play the guitar and sing. Uh, that game was great. I mean, just, it was a cool way to like, uh, I mean, cause it's not like traditionally like listening to a song, right? Cause you're like, you're interacting, you're, I mean, even though you're not playing the actual song, like, but it's still something much more than just like sitting down and listening to it. Like it's, uh, it would be really interesting to see kind of like what more like interactive sort of experiences you can have like that, uh, that are like more responsive to like the music that you're listening to. And I think that's the really awesome part about DJing is that you can go, you know, you, you can do some pretty crazy things to, and especially like combining two songs that would be like unexpected I wanted to talk about this EDM explosion of the late 2000s, early 2010s, and how that ties into DJ culture, because, you know, we had had MCs, electronic music in decades past, and this was just a really interesting time because EDM, I mean, I guess that acronym kind of really came to the forefront for the first time too, and I'm just interested to see how it affected you at the time because at the time when um, like Avicii was really big yeah, and yeah. Afrojack and yeah. Stevie Oki, like I was in college. And so yeah, I yeah. think that was like a really cool time for that to be happening for sure, um, sure. because you're like going to bars and clubs and, and music festivals and things like that. Um, so I want to know whether you were in like middle school or high school, what, yeah, what kind yeah. of that was like as you were not out like partying to this party music? So I'm I'm 27 right now, so like what 2010 was probably 14, 15. Like Zed, Zed was probably one of the first artists that I listened to a lot of. I mean, Clarity, Clarity is such a good song. It just came up on Shuffle this morning. Um, such a such a good song like that. That, I remember hearing that song in like my, uh, to sound nostalgic for a second, uh, <laughs> like I remember hearing it on like the party bus, like for going on the way to prom and just being, and even at that time, like that song was a little bit, it wasn't older at the time, but it was, it wasn't new like that year. And uh, yeah, I mean, it just like, I feel like it just like slowly creeped in and then all of a sudden it just like took over like the music I was listening to. I think the moment it happened was, it definitely wasn't until college, but like the shift from like, I would listen to like a lot of like, I don't necessarily know if it's like punk or like alternative rock, like kind of like you also mentioned like Weezer. I was, Weezer was definitely another profile song I was setting on. Uh, Buddy, Hi Buddy Holly was definitely one of the tracks I was putting as my profile song on MySpace. 
Um, but even like their later stuff too, uh, like Pork and Beans, that's another great song. Uh, I was obsessed with that song when it came out. So good. Their music video too for it is pretty, pretty iconic. They had a lot of, I feel like they had a lot of people from like what was big at the time, like YouTube, like uh, influencers, right? Before like we even really used that word, like uh, I'm pretty sure like the the person, um, like let's get some shoes. Like I'm pretty sure they were in that music video. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Iconic video. I watched Muffins the other day. Nice. But by the shoes guy. I think Liam Sullivan is his name. One of the original yeah. YouTubers. So crazy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think like really when like electronic music kind of like took over, like what I was listening to was probably my friend, like the end of my freshman year in college. So I was about like 18, 19. And uh, yeah, I mean, you'd go out and you'd hear it. Another, another song that like makes me think of like college is like, of course, like the Chainsmokers had a big moment with like Closer. I like that song was playing all the time. Like think uh like 20 2016 2017 like just like was such a good song uh and then um Avicii of course like I remember like the days the nights like those two songs like that like little EP was so good there's actually a really wonderful uh Avicii biography uh like Avicii's like kind of like studying and like learning about Avicii has been like super like fundamental and like some of the choices I've like made with like how I've kind of approached my music um production as well as just like kind of like the whole like creative process and I mean Steve Aoki too like the whole like I'll sleep when I'm dead like I don't know if you've seen that uh Netflix documentary but it's like the, uh, the other one is like there's like a dichotomy of like the Vici true stories which like kind of shows him really struggling with like that sort of lifestyle which it's like kind of like where I think I would be truthfully and then Stevie Aoki's just like I'll sleep when I'm dead like let's just keep going let's just but it's more like him driving it whereas like Avicii was more of like the industry kind of like the contracts and stuff he got himself put in and uh, kind of like I know I'm segueing a little bit, but like that's like something that I've like very much considered with like my approach with music and even like selectively like staying in like the Metro Detroit area, which is like where I've grown up in Detroit. Uh, and, you know, kind of nice to like give myself the chance to be more reflective with like the way in which I put out music and like, you know, I'm not trying to do gigs. DJ gigs every night, like, I, you know, really value, like, the creative process, and, like, I mean, I love DJing, though, too, and, like, obviously want to go out and do some gigs, and, uh, so it's, it's just interesting to think about that, but, yeah, it's, it's freshman going into sophomore year of college, so, like, eight, nine years ago, and I've just been obsessed with, uh, electronic music ever since. Yeah, it's really interesting to see the culture shift in the touring industry, especially because of the pandemic. And you would have these sure. DJs hitting up every single major music festival. They would be touring 300 plus days out of 365 yeah. days a year. Even Paris Hilton was making yeah. appearances every single day in every corner of the world. And right, obviously some personalities are better or worse equipped yeah. for fame, for traveling, for 
just like the immense physical, mental, emotional toll that it takes on you. But I think that now there are so many different opportunities. And I think that wanting to stay localized and to nurture your community and to focus on your creative process, I think that that can ultimately produce a better output. Like when you have, when you're not giving so much of yourself away uh, to the whole song and dance behind it. My first album was called uh, Health Insurance, which is out on like all the platforms and stuff. So if anyone's curious, you can check that out. It's like a, it's an album of like 12, 13 songs uh, that I made throughout COVID. And uh, like the whole idea of it, like the cover of the album is, uh, it's like this cool, like, I don't know, kind of just like this nature-y sort of background. And then there, there's this, uh, there's this like, health insurance card which is which is like the main main focal point of it and it has like my name and it says that like the the health insurance policy like goes to infinity and it's just like I mean to be honest with you like I still don't have health insurance but this is like this is what I've made like my fabricated version of health insurance which like I've been more healthier than I've ever been in my life because I pay attention to my prescription which I say is uh, reading writing exercising, meditating, manifesting, and creating. Um, so just like kind of using that approach with like, I mean, it's just like kind of like my life philosophy, like with my job or with the music that I'm making and the writing that I'm putting out online and just like hoping to imbue those sort of like values is really what it is. Um, Cause you know, if you like reading and writing, well, you probably like learning, you know, like that, that's something that I'm like very, passionate about uh with like my newsletter that i have which is the freelance graduate student which like you know it was started during covid um and that's even like also during covid is when i put out my first dj mix uh the first ever so that's how i got the barty darty name is like i put out a mix and i was like uh well i, I guess i should ask you a question is do you know what a darty is no so a darty is a day party. Oh, okay. Now that you say it, yeah, that's clicking. Yeah. That's clicking. Okay, yeah. I have now. I know, and I have also been to them. I think we yeah. used to just call it day drinking, but yeah. I think darty actually sounds much better. But yeah, it just it, it feels it feels better too, and uh, and just like you know, we all. I mean, as we all should, we. we we need to value a good night's rest. So if, if we're going to party, we should do it during the daytime. And you released a single recently, which it's called Sweaty Betty, which it's funny that you say that you enjoy exercise because yes. there is a an exercise clothing store called Sweaty yeah. Betty. Yes. So my uh, one of my close friends from college, uh, so he works for... He works for, it's Merrill, and so one of their brands is uh, Sweaty Betty. And I actually, I honestly had no idea that that was even the case uh, until he told me that. And so, uh, yeah, waiting, waiting to, I really, I should reach out to them and be like, hey, this is, this is the banger for your next ad campaign. But yeah, like that song, it just goes straight into the beat. And like, uh, listening to that song, like on the treadmill is like, is ideal. I mean, any any sort of like cardio, like that beginning part, like just right off the bat, it just like really, really gets you. So yeah, that that was an exciting one. That was the first uh, 
So the album that I had put out previously was under my my uh, my actual name, Adam Bartley. Um, but transitioning from putting out uh, music as Adam Bartley to then like going through this rebrand, which happened right around the time in which like FWB Fest happened. I was like, you know what? I'm really gonna go all in on this Barty Darty thing. Yeah, so it's been interesting to kind of approach my like creative work as like with a different uh, identity or different like alias. But I guess it's also something I've been doing going way back to AIM, the AIM days and just having like these different like uh, digital masks to throw on and then then going into the world and like kind of sharing that that's who I am or you know or not sharing that. Um, so it's interesting kind of like how you can approach like the you know IRL versus the URL world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, you said it, it goes back to when we had screen names as like kids basically and you kind of have to choose how you want to represent yourself online and it was different in that case because people only knew you in person and yeah. then maybe they would glean something new about you based on what your screen name is or sure. you know or people could say oh yeah of course she loves okay mine was dancer baby spelled b-a-y-b-e-e four two seven three i have a i have a um on Etsy, they make custom stickers where it's the little screen where you sign on AIM, so it has a little guy, and yeah. then your custom screen name is in it. Oh. So I'm like, obviously, we need Dancer Baby four two seven three recognition here. Yeah. But yeah, it's like you know, being a dancer that was my identity solely for so long, and then yeah. you know, when you go through different phases and stages of life, things things tend to shift and it's so funny to you know think about people who know me from dance or people who know me from yeah. the fashion industry or people who know me now from web3 or from fwb and yeah. and people don't know other segments of you even if at yeah. one point they were like the biggest parts of your life and For so sure. i i think it's so interesting to be able to explore all of those different versions of who we are because at the core yeah. that that doesn't change you are you um and sure. the the fact that you get to be mutable to an extent about how you want yeah. to represent yourself especially now as you know back in the day we only had our in-person presence and now we have completely integrated our online personas with our input or at least i like to now that i'm saying out loud that's kind of the antithesis of influencer culture influencer sure, culture yeah. is about cultivating a separate online persona which may or may not uh, be congruent with who you are yeah. in real life but anyway from my perspective i was i was more of an anti-influencer myself where you know i really wanted to keep it about the community and about connecting with people and about helping people really feel a part of something. And um, anyway, so yeah, I think about that identity piece a lot and how yeah, I can yeah. be integrated in, in that approach. I'm substitute teaching right now for gym class. It's wonderful. Um, and so I have also, they have Bluetooth speakers now in gym class. So I'm always playing, I'm introducing these kids at uh, the ripe age of, you know, I mean, 
roughly the same time when we were, you know, on like AIM, MySpace, I'm giving them house music, right? And like they're, they're putting my songs in their like TikToks and stuff. So maybe this is the, maybe this is the playbook for future DJs and uh, musicians is to, you know, get, get into substitute teaching and start sharing my music with these kids. And they're like, oh wait, you make music? I'm like, yeah, like, you know, I'm not only a teacher, like, I mean, of course, like, and uh, looking back now too, like, you know, when I was in school, I wasn't really like that motivated. And, you know, I had my interests, sure, like outside of school and like, uh, it's just kind of cool to like, be able to like, kind of put myself back in like, their shoes too. And just like, think of like, you know, be more nostalgic and think about like the things that I was really, really enjoyed as like, uh, as a fifth grader, as like, uh, you know, even like as a freshman in college and stuff, just like, so even like having this conversation, it's like very like congruent, like of like how I've been thinking more and more, uh, recently, um, which I think it's good to be like in touch with like your, your inner child and just like, you know, making sure that you're doing something that like, your younger self would be proud of and not be like, man, you've changed or whatever, right? Like, but also like embracing that sense of play is like also like accepting responsibility too, which is, I think is something that I've really been like focusing on, especially like starting off this year is just like, just trying to be more responsible. Like, and you know, like, what does that mean? Like, well, it's a good question. Cause like, I'm still like figuring out what exactly that means, but like, I think just like being more of a leader, like where I can, like not only in my like IRL community, but also like online trying to like share that message, but also like find people that like align with, with like that mindset mentality and like wanting to just like learn and grow together. Yeah. It's been an interesting ride. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think it is really important to decide the kind of person that you want to be and what kind of values you want to stick to. For me, it's it's expression, it's enthusiasm, it's connection, it's curiosity. And no matter what I'm doing, it has to connect back to at least one of, if not all of those things. I wanted to ask you one last question yeah, before we wrap up, and that is... If you were to create a your dream DJ music festival and you can pick up to oh. five DJs to headline, oh, who man. would you pick? I'll start off with Polo and Pond, a French duo. Uh, they make this trippy, sort of like funky, uh, kind of like psychedelic, but yet like, I don't know, you want to dance, you want to move. Probably Disclosure. Disclosure is really great. I know we were talking about like formative music, like Latch. I mean, mm -hmm. Latch is such a good song. That whole Latch album, was life changing. That whole album is just uh, magnificent. Their first one. I mean, definitely Kygo. Kygo is like one of my favorite artists. I love the way he blends like kind of like this traditional sort of classical piano. Like so, at times he'll you know just be playing like these house bangers, and then all of a sudden just get up on the piano, which like is very like much goals for like a future live show like as I like think of like how I want to like you know potentially build that out in the future definitely Kygo Disclosure and then Polo and Pond two more I mean Odessa they're not tri like traditional DJs they're they're more just like electronic music uh but they do a lot of like kind of like symphonic sounds with their stuff and last but not least MK MK has done a lot of really excellent uh, 
mixes throughout throughout the years and like remixes. He's also, he's based out of Detroit, um, or he's he was born in Detroit. I, I don't know if he still lives in the area, but he's like in his fifties, and this guy just keeps just I don't know how he does it, but he just keeps putting out just steady just somehow better and better songs and like one one thing I always find relieving is like whenever I look look up people's ages because like you know I'm like I'm 27 like am I getting too old to be you know still like pursuing music and stuff and just like looking at like the people that have really you know made made their you know, made their mark put their stamp on the world with their music it's like they've been doing this shit for a really long time it gets me excited to do music for a really you know, really fucking long time. And uh, yeah, I'm just like excited to just like keep doing it and to see where I'm at with my music and piano, DJing, producing like 20 years from now, you know, when I, or 23 years from now when I'm 50 and just like, what, what kind of house bangers am I going to make when I'm 50? Like that's, that's the shit I get really excited for. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool to see even like now that you say piano too, I was a huge Ben Folds fan oh, nice. and I've yeah. seen him play live a few times yeah. and yeah, he's definitely, or I actually don't know. I'm assuming he's in his fifties now. Yeah. And so to see people who continue doing different things, he worked with several acapella groups too, to release an album and, and sure. just like doing creative and interesting things. So yeah. Where can the people find you? Uh, so, yeah, you can find me on probably the best places, either Twitter or Instagram, at uh, lowercase i, all capitals, Barty Darty, uh, B-A-R-T-Y, D-A-R-T-Y. Um, and then also I have a newsletter uh, called The Freelance Graduate Student. Um, might be doing a rebrand on that pretty soon, but we'll, we'll see. Um, and that's, that's a sub stack. And then, uh, of course on all like, uh, streaming platforms, you can find my music. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks a ton for having me on. It was a blast, uh, catching up and looking forward to talking with you some more and the, yeah, just really appreciate you uh, having me on. Of course. And thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Peace out. That's a wrap for this week. If you like Nostalgia, connect with me on social at Nicole Tremaglio. Subscribe to the Nostalgia newsletter at nostalgia.substack.com and follow, rate, and review on your platform of choice. Everything's linked in the show notes, including where to find out more about our guest of the week. Thank you so, so much for your support. And that was this week's episode of Nostalgia. Wow.